text for the message this morning is Psalm 124. Let's read that together. It's the song of ascents of David, Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, They would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord, who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this time near Thanksgiving Day, we spend time thinking of all the blessings that God has poured out upon us. And what will you think about? Perhaps you will think of your family, Perhaps you will think of the abundance of food that you have. Perhaps you will be thanking the Lord for your home or your health. What will you think about? Or maybe it's been a hard year. Maybe there's a lot of sadness in your life. Maybe it will be a difficult day. What will you think about? What are you thankful for? Psalm 124 shows that if you are here, in this building this morning, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, that is where you should start when you think of what you are thankful for. You see, this year, Thanksgiving Day will fall on October 10th, 2010, tomorrow, right in the middle of the most terrible battle of our lives. Like we sang in Psalm 123, we are people who have endured much contempt and much ridicule. In our lives we are struggling, and as weary soldiers in a struggle against sin and temptations, tomorrow we may may pause for a moment. We can look at all that we have, and we can think, we are here. By the grace of God, we're still here. We're, We're here worshiping God. We're in this building. We are part of the body of Jesus Christ. Look back on that year. Look back at your struggles. Look back at the temptations. Look back at the attack. We made it. We made it to this point. And the simple fact is, is the basis for our thanksgiving 
And Psalm 124 teaches us to, to look back and see that all, see all that we have gone through so that we may truly live thankful lives every day. It's a testimony of God's faithfulness that we are here today. And this faithfulness in the past is a rich blessing, a rich benefit for us in the present. Psalm 124 is then speaking about the church of Jesus Christ, His body, His people. It is our words. It's Christ's words in the first place, and, and in Him it's also they are also our words. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. And we will see first... We would have been swallowed up in the second place if the Lord had not been on our side. The text of the message is a psalm. It's a piece of poetry. So we need to look at it briefly to to see the structure, to understand what the main point of the psalm is. And you can see in this psalm, in, in the beginning, and in the middle, and in the end, There is an emphasis on our dependence on the Lord. It's a psalm of trust and an acknowledgement of the Lord's goodness to us. And we see in this psalm a a contrast. We see a contrast between the, the stability, the faithfulness of God... And also the situation of, of the person who's saying these words. The, the situation of the member of Christ's church. The beginning five verses, you can, you can see that. They describe a situation that gets worse and worse. And then starting at verse six, we see that the situation changes and, and it gets better and better. It ascends to a climax and some even say that that's why it's called the song of ascents, a, a song of going up, it's building up to a, a climax. That may be the reason, perhaps it's also a song that was sung on, on the way up to Jerusalem, another ascent, and that's also a, a common explanation of this title. And yet, we need to see, however this psalm was used, or why it was called a song of ascents, that it is a song that we must sing, a song that we can sing, a song that we will sing this Thanksgiving Day weekend. It's a psalm of David, we can see that. But we should not limit this psalm just to some events in David's life. If you look, you can see it's quite general. We can't even find a specific time in David's life. But these are the words of God's people in all times and in all places. And we see in this psalm a, a fear. We can see in this psalm that, that we are expressing an anxiety the feeling of of being overwhelmed by the pressures around us. This is a psalm that we can sing at at any time in the history of the world. And so it was an appropriate song sung in the time of David, appropriate song to sing in the time of, of the exile when the men were all around them violently attacking the church. It's a great psalm that was also sung in the New Testament as they faced the lures and the temptations of the very powerful Greek culture all around them. We have a psalm 
here breathed by God that comforts, that exhorts the church to see that God is protecting her. That God has led her to where she is. We could say it another week where God has led me to where I am this day as a member of the church. It directs our, the psalm, the Holy Spirit directs our attention in the first place to, to the situation of the church today. Now, we're looking back. In a pictures of battle scene, we see that in verse 2, the second part, when, when men attacked us. In verse 3, when their anger flared up against us. And the same battle scene is further illustrated with the use of the imagery of, of a raging river or, or a flood. And we see these two images together so that we understand that this psalm is not just talking about a, a moment of anger, a, a moment of difficulty, but it's speaking of a, a continual struggle, never ceasing opposition. The child of God facing this opposition is, is doing more than just simply weathering a storm. But the life of a Christian is full of struggle, full of challenge. It's something that happens in all the day, every day of our lives. And it's more than just a physical attack, there's a non-physical attack. Again, this congregation has experienced that and past days and weeks and months and years, we are always struggling. The enemy is always attacking us. There are always temptations. Our own nature is always, our sinful nature is always leading us to do what we do not want to do. <coughs> so the church is feeling the pressure if you look back this past year, you know that pressure that, that's coming from outside and we can see it in these carnal sins that just attack us and mess with our minds. But we can see it on a broader scale as well as, as there are new ideas and new perspectives that are being introduced that are undermining the, the one true Word of God. We must be careful not to just think about those momentary attacks of weakness, but, but the ongoing onslaught of, of the evil one, the slow change of mindset that, that is beginning to mislead the church from the paths of truth and, and righteousness. And the psalm is talking about that continuous struggle on all levels. And with this context, the Holy Spirit directs our attention to what could and most certainly would have happened to us if the church had been left alone in the middle of this onslaught. And we read this summarized in verse 3, the first part. It's quite simply, they would have swallowed us alive. The Holy Spirit is, is teaching us that any congregation on their own, without God protecting them, 
has about as much chance as a little fly buzzing closely over the water a moment before a large trout gobbles him up. Swallowed alive, we would have been swallowed alive. And this picture that we, the Holy Spirit is painting here, it emphasizes how weak we are when faced with the lures of the world. It's, it's just like we confess in Lord's Day 51, in ourselves we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. The little fly buzzing over the water cannot add a moment to his life by resisting the fish, not even a moment. That notion of of being swallowed alive points us to the teaching of Scripture concerning Sheol or or the grave, that gaping mouth of of death, that, that gaping mouth of being far away from God. We would have been far from God. We deserve the punishment of of being separated from God because of our sins. On our own, David says that the flood would have engulfed us and the torrent would have swept over us and the raging waters would have taken us away. Think about that imagery. The Holy Spirit uses powerful language to, to make it clear to our dull minds how great our salvation we have in the Lord really is. And notice that fearful situation and how it gets to, as it's described and it gets worse and worse. The continual attack of the wicked man will not stop because of something we have done by, by our own strength. We can picture the situation, you're, you're in a channel, or, or perhaps you're be, between two rocks by a beach somewhere. And while standing there, a, a flood engulfs us, that means that the, ga- the waters gather around our feet, and then they keep coming up, and they keep coming up, and it moves up closer and closer to our mouth, and we begin to, to feel very trapped, and we look around wildly, and then the psalmist says, and the torrent sweeps over you. You can picture that. You're gasping for air, and the water goes over top of you. And you're completely immersed in that horrible, raging, cold water, and your lungs are burning, and you're fighting for air, for, for something to hold on to, but everything is chaos. And the onslaught of the water does not stop, but it intensifies and the raging water starts to to sweep you away from the spot and and you struggle and you lose your footing. The waters swallow you while you are still living and you are carried away. That's what the psalmist is saying. It's a fearful description, a a nightmare. And it highlights to us that that horror, that that terror that is evident in life under the punishment of God. Life without God. It's describing a reality. And we need to see also that this describes and helps us understand the the nature 
of the curse of God against His own Son, Jesus Christ, who bore our curse for us, who bore the burden of God's wrath for us and in our place. It also describes what it is like when you are not a member of the body of Jesus Christ, when you have not been saved, what it is like to be, to be punished by God. Behind this attack of the enemies, we see also that the devil is attacking the church. We must not belittle the nature of this attack. Paul calls our attention to what we are struggling against. Now we look back at the year and we think, yeah, I had some difficulties. I had some temptations and and I'm trying to overcome them. Trying to be more patient with my family. Trying to understand my priorities, what's important and what's not, and I don't always do that. Trying to control my tongue, trying to control my anger. I don't want to lie in school, but sometimes it happens, and and these, these are the temptations that I face as a believer. And Paul says, You know what you're struggling against? You're struggling against the devil, the powers. The spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. That's the nature of the struggle. That's the nature of, of being in this world as a Christian. And the reality of the struggle is that not everyone stands. There are casualties. We often hear of the difficulty of the Christian life. We talk about, yeah, it's very difficult to be faithful. But do we understand how difficult? Do we understand that it is impossible for us to stand on our own strength? Do we understand that some people don't? And there's chaos. There's that distance from God. They fall under the punishment of God. You understand that some people who know what Jesus Christ return to that chaos, that place away from God. You understand that fellow soldiers in the battle are falling, sometimes losing interest, sometimes looking toward life without God and thinking it's a good thing. It's important for us to see. We need to understand that this is not just something we talk about. The battle is real. The battle is against the devil himself. And so we don't ignore this attack. We look back at what we went through. And yet we're here. We're here today. This is a reason for great thanksgiving. We don't fear what the world fears. 
We don't have to, to live in, in that chaos and that, that feeling of being swept over by, by the evil. The enemy didn't conquer us. We're here. By the grace of God, we're here. We believe in Jesus Christ. We see His Holy Spirit working in our hearts and renewing us and transforming our lives and making us want to be here, to hear His voice. We're here. We're like flies. We were like flies hovering over a lake full of trout. And we have not been swallowed up alive. The armor of God with the word of God. That's the first part of the psalm. It's just showing us our situation. As that wonderful explanation, we would have been swallowed up alive if the Lord had not been on our side. So verse 6 then begins with that word praise. Praise be to the Lord. And through her praise of the Lord in the present, the church makes a transition between the confession of God's past acts of protection and the confession of confidence the Lord in the present. And then we are reminded again that this chaotic picture of life, this, this nightmare, this, this suffering under the punishment of God eternally is something that only would have happened to us. Only something that could have happened to us if we had not been rescued. And so we, we sit here today and, and we say that. We say how terrible our end would have been. How quickly we would have given in to the ways of the world. How mercilessly we would have treated our brothers and sisters. How, how completely unholy our life would have been if not for the Lord. And that's why we're so thankful. It's not a celebration of our accomplishments or our strength. The church says, if not for the Lord, look what we would have been. And this also calls us, brothers and sisters, to be very full of compassion for those who do not know the Lord, for those who do not have the message of salvation in Jesus Christ you would have been no different. You would have done the same thing. You would have treated your neighbor in the same way. If not for the Lord. And you see that in the psalm, the, the word Lord is written in all capitals. That's a, the word for Yahweh, Yahweh, which is emphasizing that God is a covenant God. And so we say at the beginning, if the Lord, if, if that covenant God had not been on our side, and it's repeated, 
Let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side, it's calling attention to our faithful covenant God. We are children of that faithful covenant God. We are understanding that the mighty creator of heaven and earth has, has bound himself to us in love in the covenant. We, we, we confess that, we, we shout that if he had not bound himself to us in the covenant, we would have been swallowed up alive. You see, so mighty God, faithful covenant Father, He remembers His people. The consequences of having a faithful covenant God are explained wonderfully in, in a passage like Exodus, Exodus 3 verse 7, where the Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land. You see that on this Thanksgiving Day weekend, we understand our situation, we understand what could have happened. We lift our eyes up to our faithful covenant God who remembers His people in His suffering. We understand that we are here today by grace alone, by the grace of God who shows His unfailing love to us. We are God's people, we are distinguished, we are set apart from the world because of the mercy and the grace of God. And this is what we celebrate. This faithfulness encourages us in every struggle. And we read, if the Lord had not been on our side, that those words, on our side, is the past tense of, of the word Emmanuel. Saying and showing how, how God is with us. And we understand how God is with us as we continue reading scriptures, as we understand the, the big picture that God is with us, first in His only Son, Jesus Christ, who was born in this world as a, as a child of God as well. And then who ascended into heaven and pours out His Spirit upon Him. We could say God is with us. He is closely, He is with us very closely in a very close way. We understand that as Jesus Christ then who is, who is with the church by the Holy Spirit renewing us and, and gathering us together. That's the confession of the church of Jesus Christ. And it is only because of Him and His work. The fact that He was swallowed up in the grave, that He had the, the curse of God and the anger of God poured out upon Him for us and in our place, it is because of Christ Jesus that we say that could have happened to us that would have happened to us. But it won't. It won't. Because I believe 
in Jesus Christ. It won't because I am a, a member of the body of a risen and a victorious Savior. I have a guarantee. And we read then also how the psalm explains that God has not let us be torn by their teeth. The sense of this is is that we have not even been touched by their teeth. That God has not let us become prey in the teeth of the enemy. Although we are but flies hovering over the water, teeming with danger, the Lord has prevented the church from being overcome by the attack of the wicked. Again, look at the imagery in the psalm. It's talking about teeth. Most children here have, have seen a ferocious animal and have noticed the teeth and have not wanted to be eaten by the teeth. The psalm says, God protects us. And he compares the, the evil one he compares his attacks to like a big grizzly bear, big teeth. We, like little children in front of that grizzly bear, have not even been touched. The psalmist, and the psalm also speaks about being like a bird caught in the fowler's snare. A fowler is a, a bird catcher. And he would use a variety of devices for for catching birds. And here it seems likely that the psalm is picturing a net that was triggered by the the hunter or the animal when the bait was disturbed. And in our psalm it's noteworthy that it is assumed that we were already caught in the snare. We were flailing around in, in the snare like a bird. And this is emphasizing that we have not, we don't have anything to do with our salvation. The battle is clearly between God and the wicked. He is fighting our battle for us. We are helpless. We are, we are weak in ourselves. But the conclusion of Psalm 124 is joyous. We have escaped like a bird. And notice the next part. The snare has been broken. And we have escaped mentions twice that we have escaped its joyful conclusion. But it's not our own ability. The snare has been broken. Our faithful covenant God who remembers His people in their suffering and in their struggling like sees His, his people like a bird caught in the snare. He breaks the snare. That's a reason for celebration, brothers and sisters. We then are like a bird that has escaped the snare. We have been rescued from the snare. And and we understand then that it is in Jesus Christ. God has shown mercy to us. and, And we may now fly free like a bird that has escaped. We are a people of life. We are a people of joy. We are a people of peace. And a people of great, great thanksgiving. And so we could sing the, the victorious words of Psalm 48, which we, we sang together. The psalm that describes the, the strength and the, 
the, the beauty of the church of Jesus Christ. A psalm that explains how the enemies are seeing the church, but they are, they are shocked at what they see because God is within her. And God is protecting her. But who are we? We've been struggling with the consequences of sin. We've plowed through many difficulties. A lot of us suffer the, the scars of sin. Maybe our own sinful decisions. Maybe other sinners who have hurt us. We are like weary soldiers. But we are here. God has been on our side. And we can look back. We can see what we have made it through. How terrible that attack was and is and will continue to be. And we can lift our eyes up and we can say, it is the Lord who is on our side. And that's how we begin every worship service. We all say it together. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It's, it's called the votum term votum, it's a Latin word that means a, a wish or a prayer which one uses to make a vow. It's the, the opening of the worship service and we appeal for the Lord's help and we express our determination to look to the Lord alone. It's a, it's a celebration. We, we, we say it with such joy. When we begin, we think of that week, we think of that struggle, and we say, but we are here. Our help is in the name of the Lord. It is grace, it is mercy, it is His faithfulness to us, it is, it is the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. I am here because of the Lord. That's why we all say it together. And it gives us that confidence, it gives us that comfort, and it fills our hearts with great thankfulness. You won't sleep after saying that, if you understand what you are saying. You are praising God for breaking the snare and setting you free. If the Lord had not been on our side, we would have been swallowed up. But we weren't. Amen. Let's now respond with singing the same psalm, Psalm 124.